Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Let me talk a little bit now. I'll I'll move away from the mindset and talk more about these duties. There are fiduciary duties that every nonprofit board needs to be aware of. And I have a podcast, and all these slides, and it's on your handout, I have a podcast. I put some postcards. If you like listening to podcasts, I have a podcast. If you didn't get one, there's there's extras here. Front row, you know, um, empty, like in church. Um, the, the duties that a board has are the duty of care. We'll talk about that. Caring for the organization. The duty of loyalty to the organization over yourself. The duty of compliance with laws, and the duty of management of the organization. Now, Texas, all states have these. They call them sometimes different things. Texas kind of combines compliance and management into into one, but obey the law is kind of what they mean. So we'll talk about each of these and um, how, again, like it's manifested in, in your organization. So nonprofit boards have this duty of care to care for the nonprofit's assets, meaning your money, their property, if you have, some groups have a building. Last night in San Antonio, the FEAST, um, I forget that stands for, but they're like a regional homeschool group. They actually have a building. So they, you know, their board has a responsibility for taking care of the building. The church that we're meeting in has a board. They're responsible to take care of this building. Um, and the people, the parents and the kids, safety for the most part in all the ways that it's important to be safe. So that is your duty of care care for the organization's money, property, and people. Okay, so how do you act that out? Well, one is board meetings. Uh, You should hold regular meetings. I once consulted with a homeschool leader who only called a meeting when there was a crisis. (laughs) These meetings were horrible. They lasted like three hours. And talk about drama, Shane. There was drama because they only met when there was a crisis. I was brought in as on one to one of these three-hour meetings as a consultant. I'm like, she, the 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 problem was she had a very specific vision. She being the founder and chairman of the board, very specific vision of how this homeschool organization should run. But without regular meetings, her board was becoming. Uh, forgetful of what that vision was. So she was not imparting her vision to her board members because she only met when there was... She just assumed they all thought like she did. So hold regular meetings. My homeschool co-op used to hold our board meetings during co-op day every week. And if we didn't need it every week, we could go volunteer or we could do other tasks for the co-op or we could pray for the group or we could plan and strategize all kinds of wonderful things but we it was we all all the board members have that same hour free during our co-op day so we didn't have to try to meet outside a co-op cool idea it worked have bylaws and follow them you guys have bylaws do you have bylaws good good okay good if not uh, or if, if you need to know i have sample bylaws on my website there, I'm, I'm shocked at the number of groups that start and, and can be running for a couple years without bylaws. And I said to them, well, you're not really a nonprofit until you have that founding document that says this is who we are, what we do. You're not. You know, you're missing. What it takes to be a nonprofit is a board, a nonprofit mission, a purpose, a mission, and the organizing document, the bylaws. 
insurance. You were, you were interested in talking about this. The duty of care means you might need to consider insurance, especially to protect the property and the people. Um, there are different kinds of insurance. General liability, one insurance agent who was a, a homeschool dad told me he calls that fire insurance. That's protecting the property that you meet in. So like from fire, you know, God forbid someone leaves the coffee pot plugged in and burns down, you know, the church kitchen and your group is responsible. The, the church will come to your organization to pay for the damage to the building because you damaged it. Um, so we had a class at my homeschool group when I was in a uh, co-op, and it was called Destruction. It was a really cool class. The kids put on goggles and were given screwdrivers and wrenches and stuff, and they took apart old uh, broken appliances. It was like biology dissection for appliances, but they learned how things worked. Someone donated a printer. What we didn't know was that it leaked toner all the way down the hallway of the church that we were meeting at, and the carpet had a big black stain on it. We damaged the church's property. We felt terrible about it. Our poor secretary spent the whole co-op time trying to scrub that thing out. And <laughs> oh, it was bad. Anyway, they said, well, I'll tell you what, we have extra carpet. You'll have to pay for the installation, though, on the hallway. But before that... Because now we're thinking dollar signs and we're going to have to call our insurance agent because it's more than we can afford. And that's why you have insurance, right? It's more than we can afford. They said, why don't you call a commercial carpet cleaner and see if they can get it out. And sure enough, they got it out and we didn't have to make an insurance claim. But that's why you have insurance because you might damage the property where you're meeting. General liability insurance, it's called. Then there's medical insurance, and, and homeschool groups might need medical insurance if you're doing more risky activities like sports activities where a child could get more, more at risk for getting injured. All right? A lot of general liability policies have some medical policy, but they might say, but you can't do sports programs under this. You have to get another policy to protect those kids who are playing sports. Make sense? I have a list on my website. Matter of fact, I think it might be, uh, there it is, homeschoolcpa.com slash insurance. And so what I did is I collected uh, anytime anybody on the, there's a Facebook group. It's on the brochure you have called I Am a Homeschool Group Leader. And people were asking, where do you get your insurance from? And since it could vary by the state, we were getting all kinds of replies. Okay, well, Brotherhood Mutual is good, but you've got to be in Indiana, Ohio, Michigan, and or hear these people. About. So I compiled that whole list of insurance companies that provide insurance to homeschool groups. So it's the start of a list. I want to add whoever that is for Texas. Okay. All right. The last kind of insurance that some homeschool groups get is called directors and officers. And this is insurance to protect that those leaders in particular the directors and the officers, the board members, if you will, from lawsuits against them because they didn't manage the organization well. And this is much more likely when you have employees. So what a homeschool dad who was an insurance um, agent told me is that most of the times homeschool organizations, not, excuse me, nonprofits, and you've got to think nonprofits are everything from churches to universities to hospitals, okay? When nonprofits get sued, when the board gets sued, it's usually by an employee, and they're mad. They're, then they sue be, for wrongful termination, meaning they got fired and they don't think they should have, or sexual discrimination or sexual harassment in the workplace. Okay, 
And we know the stories in the news about all that kind of stuff, right? So um, they will sue the organization and they will hold the directors responsible because they did not put enough protections up to protect their children or patients or whatever, you know, students at a university, okay? So it's really necessary to have DNO insurance if you have employees because that's where most of the lawsuits against directors and officers come from, okay? And obviously, big organizations like universities, colleges, uh, hospitals. Sometimes people won't serve on a board unless the board has directors and officers insurance. I find it a lot less likely for homeschool groups to have DNO insurance. The, the premiums are about $1,000 a, a year. And that's way more money than. And it's just, we just don't have as much risk if we don't have employees, okay? So, it's a little, there are some homeschool groups that have it, but it's a little more rare. Just thought I'd let you know. Okay, uh, another way to exercise duty of care, so what do we talk about? Have meetings, have insurance, um, and uh, avoid fraud. That's caring for the assets that you have. Avoiding fraud, podcast number 105, I give you some tips. There's lots of different ways you can uh, avoid fraud, and I have a book I wrote called Money Management in a Homeschool Organization. It's back there. There's a whole chapter on how you can avoid fraud and a checklist. And I thought that was so important that I gave you that excerpt from the book as a free PDF for your board so you can go over the list. So you go to the page like you're going to buy the book on Homeschool CPA, go to the bookstore, look for money management, and you can find the PDF. So you can download this whole list of things you should be doing to avoid fraud or embezzlement of your funds. And the number one thing, I, I, could, I'm not, I can do a whole workshop on this, the, the number one thing I would recommend is that you separate what is called the authorization of an expense from the bookkeeping or the check signing, okay? So if someone spends money in your homeschool program, for your homeschool program, they want to be reimbursed. Maybe they fill out a form. Hopefully you have a form. And they turn it in to the treasurer, and the treasurer writes the check. That's a bad system. They should turn it in to someone else, some other board member, usually the chairman, and that chairman authorizes, yes, I agree, the co-op should pay this. Then she passes it to the treasurer. So you're separate, two different people. One can authorize the expense. The other one actually does the bookkeeping and writes out the check. And when I was treasurer, I would go back to my president and say, sign the check. As treasurer, I didn't even sign checks. I wrote out the checks. It's, a, it's, a, it's an accounting thing. And you can imagine in bigger companies how fraud happens because one person is doing it all, authorizing the expense, writing out the checks, and signing them. And we were taught when we were in accounting school about how that's just a, the way people commit fraud. They steal money. So you don't do that. You try to separate the approval of an expense so my president would initial yes, she, the, you know, the reimbursement request. She'd hand it to me. Even during co-op day, she'd hand it to me. I'd be sitting there writing out checks, good old-fashioned handwriting out checks, hand her the checkbook, and she'd sign them. Also, she would get the bank statements mailed to her, open them up, look at it. So there's two sets of eyeballs. There should, if you have online access to your checking accounts, and you should, Two or three board members should all have online access, should be checking it regularly. Is the writing out checks better than PayPal? Or is PayPal 
That's fine, PayPal. But again, more than two, more than at least two people should have access to that PayPal account and should be looking at it monthly. Don't. <laughs> Bottom line is, don't trust the treasurer. And I've been treasurer. I'm treasurer right now of two different organizations. Don't trust me. And they have a tendency to trust me because they think Carol's a CPA. And I'll be like, you shouldn't trust me, you know, because I can make mistakes. I'm honest, but I can make mistakes. And, and you have a fiduciary duty of care to keep an eye on things, not just the treasurer. All of you do. So uh, what did I just say? There's the um, best practices to avoid embezzlement, homeschoolcpa.com slash fraud. It's on your handout, right? So you can go get that. And a podcast. So that was a duty of care. That's, that's, that's enough homework for you right there, isn't it? But we're going to move on. you got more duties. <laughs> There's the duty of loyalty. Um, the duty of loyalty means that the board makes decisions that are in the best interest of the organization, not themselves. And that sounds like, yeah, duh. But it's tricky when... The board is made up of, there's the duty of loyalty. Um, the duty of loyalty means that the board makes decisions that are in the best interest of the organization, not themselves. And that sounds like, yeah, duh. But it's tricky when the board is made up of people who all benefit from the group, right? Which is very common in homeschool groups. You are the board and the recipients of the, of the benefits of being on the, in the group, the, you know. You're what's called an operating board. You run the organization and you um, have oversight of, of it. Okay. So what happens with the duty of loyalty is that there can be what are called conflicts of interest. You need to try to avoid those conflicts of interest, um, meaning you're a divided person. Am I thinking of the board and the group, or am I thinking more of myself and this decision? And if frequently these conflicts of interest occur when board members are paid by the organization in some way. Sometimes they're not paid for serving on the board, but they're paid for tutoring or teaching in the, in the group or something like that. I'm seeing a lot more of that than I ever used to before. So what happens is if, if some of your board members are also like paid teachers or something like that, they have a conflict of interest. And if something comes up and you have to discuss, well, what should we pay our teachers? Those teachers can't be part of that discussion because they have a conflict of interest. They have a personal interest in what they're going to get paid, right? <clears throat> so they need to get up and step out of the room and not be part of that discussion and have no vote. Well, I run into boards where they say, if that happened, everybody would stand up and walk out because everybody's teaching or being paid for some capacity. This is not a good way to run a nonprofit. You need to have a big enough board that some people can leave because they have a conflict of interest and the rest of you left behind can vote. In California, they have a 51% rule. In California, 51% or more of your board must not be paid at all in any way. So there was a board, I think they had one of my clients, they had seven people on the board, and when I was preparing their annual IRS return, I'm like, yeah, seven people, and, and I see four of them are paid. One was a teacher, one was like an administrator she was paid, or two, one was a very much part-time teacher, one was like the hall monitor or something like that, very small amount she got paid. Four of them were paid. They violated, Cal they were in California, they violated California's 51% rule. I said, either one of those people has to step off the board and you have to replace it, or you've got to grow a bigger board of people who are not paid, no conflicts of interest. 
Is that a problem for any of you guys? Yeah, I didn't think so. Last night it was, um, and, the, and the group I talked to before. But you can imagine as homeschool groups grow and more people are getting paid for teaching in homeschool programs, and I don't know if that's happening here, but it's definitely happening in the rest of the, world, the, rest of the country. These are huge conflicts. And I'm seeing it more in these hybrid programs where the kids are being dropped off and being paid by, and normally they're the junior high and high school levels, but they're being paid. Every teacher is paid. It's not all volunteers anymore. So what happens in situations like that is the board needs to be made up of volunteer parents. So the board should be volunteers. The paid people are much like a church staff exactly like a church staff. You have the board of deacons or elders or trustees or whatever it is that, that, that uh, is responsible for caring and loyalty to the church. Uh, the pastor may come to a meeting, but he shouldn't have a vote. He certainly shouldn't be even in the room when they're discussing what his salary should be, and he gets no vote on that, right? And the rest of the staff, same way. They don't typically come to board meetings if you've ever been on a church committee. I've been a church treasurer, so... Um, what I'm seeing a lot more of on the all-volunteers is uh, self-dealing. And this is when a board says, we're going to give ourselves some benefits. And it's typically discounts on, like, co-op classes. And it's partially to show appreciation for this board who works very hard, right? Um, and they say, okay, well, the board gets, you know, the $25, registration, $25 registration fee waived. Big deal. But I was dealing with, and I've dealt with several of these, but dealing with one group in particular, they were a drop-off program for junior high and high schoolers. All the teachers were paid, okay? So there was no volunteering going on by the parents. Well, there kind of was, but it was running side stuff. They would give massive discounts to the parents for volunteering, which I thought was a problem, first of all. But they gave massive discounts to the four board members. They gave them free tuition, and depending upon how many kids you had, that added up. One, one parent was getting the value of $4,000 a year of free tuition, and the board was voting themselves this. That's self-dealing. You can lose your tax-exempt status over this. That's how serious the IRS is. You are not running a nonprofit for you to benefit. It's called inurement. So this is serious stuff. So I said, you guys, you guys can't approve your own discounts. That's self-dealing. Okay? It's forbidden for nonprofits. You're violating your duty of loyalty. So I said, you can put a vote to the membership. Well, they didn't have any members. Okay, then you can form an independent committee, and maybe that committee decides what your benefits can be, or your discounts can be. So they formed an independent committee, and the committee came up with this is what, guess what it was that they came up with? <laughs> Same amount they were getting, yeah. But, and they showed me the letter. Here, we formed an independent committee, meaning none of us board members were on it, and, and we told them what our budget was, and they came up with here should be our discounts. And they, this was a local group, and they showed me the names of the three committee members. Well, it's a local group. I know these women, right? I've been homeschooling in Cincinnati a long time, right? Those three committee members were the three were were one of three of the paid teachers. Now, do you think a paid teacher is going to tell the person who hires her, "I think you should get a measly discount"? No, I'm like, this doesn't mean anything. 
Is that they're not independent. They've got a conflict of interest too. So she should have really picked parents. Anyway, they had a lot of issues in that group, a lot of issues. Um, and that was one. They were doing a lot. And I'm seeing a lot more of this. Boards voting themselves discounts. We just have to avoid self-dealing. Homeschool leader, do you feel confused or overwhelmed by the job of running your homeschool group? You're not alone. Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA, is here to help. Carol is an accountant, author, and retired homeschool mom who understands you. Her website has helpful information on co-ops, paying workers, and managing the money in a homeschool group. If you need personalized advice, set up a consultation with Carol. She's happy to discuss your particular situation. Visit homeschoolcpa.com today and get the information you need to successfully run your homeschool group.